0: Hi and welcome to the Boat Princess Podcast. My name is Nikki Vo and I'm your host. I am a boat owner, a marina owner, a director on the Marina Industries Association and a huge advocate for boating. In this series, I'm sharing the stories from every nook of the boating industry with the intention of encouraging more women to join me and for more women to get behind the helm too. I want to share the experience and opportunities of boating, of the boating industry, and I want you to join me as I bring the conversations and answer all the questions you've had. Boating is not just for the glamorous and rich and famous, it's full of beautiful and interesting people making the most of our natural environment and getting out there, enjoying the waterways. So let's set off the lines, take over the helm and escape. The world of boating. Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Boat Princess Podcast. I am here with a real firecracker of the sailing world, the young Zoe Thompson. Zoe, welcome to the Boat Princess Podcast. Hi,
1: Nikki. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, tell me,
0: how did you get into sailing?
1: Well, I really just sort of followed my brother down to the sailing club. He's five years older than me, so I spend a lot of time just on the beach, in the water, waiting around, and then eventually it's one of those sports where someone needs someone to help out, so you sort of just jump on. And then, yeah, after that, did a sailing school with one of my best friends, and then I haven't stopped, but obviously she since did stop. And, yeah, I just went and kept going, kept going and doing more and more of it.
0: So how old were you when you first did that?
1: So I was seven when I first jumped on and then did lessons from about eight and then wasn't too super hooked like at the very, very start, but then from about nine onwards, yeah, I just couldn't get enough.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yeah. What, what was
0: it that you loved about it at that age?
1: Oh, I, I've always really loved the ocean and I think I just liked just being out there with a friend and, um, Definitely the competing side of it. I always kind of liked getting in and you get a flag and go up to the bar and get a bowl of hot chips. And, yeah, definitely the (laughs) social side as well.
0: All about the hot chips, right? Yeah,
1: the hot (laughs) chips haven't really changed, to be honest. Yeah, 15 Uh, years later and I still enjoy a bowl of hot chips after a big sale.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you're obviously quite a competitive nature by the sounds of it as well. Yeah,
1: for sure. I think, yeah, all my friends have always said that So competitive, yeah, and can't really play the game of Monopoly without it ending either really well for me or storming off. (laughs) Fair enough.
0: (laughs) So, you uh, have a certain class of boats that you actually race. Can you tell us about those?
1: Yeah, well, so it's the Ilka 6, which is the formerly the laser dinghy, and I race by myself, um, yeah, all around the world doing little races with a bunch of other people.
0: I wouldn't say little races, sorry. No,
1: but <laughs> I've been doing a lot of um, watching of documentaries of all the Volvo Ocean races recently. And yep. in comparison to the, the how enormous those efforts are, our races with a one nautical mile upwind, which we feel like a huge, um, yeah, it's, it's a small race, but it's purpose
0: Absolutely. yeah I mean you know you you are aiming for the Olympics um, competing for Australia in 2024. I mean that's that's no small feat Zoe so tell us about uh, why you're aiming for that and how you're aiming for that.
1: I'm aiming for the Olympics purely because I love sport and I really love the dedication and aiming to be the best at something. And this is just my the particular field that I've chosen. So, yeah, I'm aiming to be a medalist at the Olympic Games for Australia.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you've achieved some other championship results and so on and so forth. Can you tell us some about some of those?
1: Yeah, I guess it all sort of started when I did start winning as like a youth sailor. Sort of started by, yeah, like youth national titles and then, um, in 2016, I won the Youth World title, which was kind of a shock at the time because I'd sort of have only, had only really travelled for sailing twice outside of Australia and then suddenly I was doing quite well. And then from there, um, I just sort of looked up to the Australian sailing team and then just sort of step by step kept going and then, yeah, I've been campaigning now for like four years minus a couple of COVID years. Um, and... Yeah, now I'm probably more motivated than ever before to keep seeing what I can do and keep ticking some boxes and yeah, going all the way with it.
0: And you won an award for WA Sailor of the
1: Year or yeah, something. Yeah, so what was, was that one? Yeah, the 2022 WA Female Sailor of the Year. Yeah. And then also nominated for the Australian Female Sailor of the Year this year.
0: Which is fantastic. That's um that must how does that feel for you winning those?
1: Yeah, it's really always good to be recognised, but more so I like looking back at who's won it before me. And it's kind of like, yeah, surreal to be in the same sort of category of people that I've looked up to before and people that have achieved so much in our sport. So yeah, I kind of still see myself as one of the young up and coming people. So it's kind of weird to be sort of starting to be up with those kinds of names which is yeah really cool
0: so tell me about some of those people some of those mentors some of those people that you've sort of really looked to as as a shining star that you want to go towards who who have yeah, been well, the inspiration from for Western you?
1: Australia in the female space in particular we've had some really really talented and successful sailors so I've always looked up to Tessa Parkinson who's a Fremantle local and Belinda Stoll I've had quite a lot to do with because she's been the West Australian Institute of Sport Head Coach for like, I don't even know how long, just recently retired from that role. But yeah, having people that are of that pedigree to like around you and in your community has always like, yeah, definitely inspiring.
0: And have some of those been directly supporting you and helping you and guiding you?
1: Yeah, well, Belinda's, um, yeah, to this day, a huge mentor in my um, campaign and she was. I well, worked quite closely with her as a coach um, up until yeah today.
0: There you go. And you're based at Fremantle Sailing
1: Club. I am based out of Royal Freshwater Bay Sailing Club. Okay. Which is on the river, but a lot of our training has to be sort of on the ocean and mix of conditions. So I also do a lot of training out of Fremantle Sailing Club, which works together with the Western Australian Institute of Sport.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting the boating here. It it really is straight out into the ocean, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, well, we call it Dead dead Man's Corner, which is like a little bit of a kink in the marina on the way out to Fremantle. But yeah, three minute sail out of the harbour, and you're straight into most of the time a pretty strong Fremantle doctor, and yeah, straight into hiking going fast.
0: That's a local term that some some people that listening to the podcast don't know about the Fremantle. Doctor, can you explain that?
1: Well, it's, it goes way back, I suppose. It gets pretty hot down here in Australia. So, um, probably, I would say, by about midday to 1 pm, or well, sort of starts maybe at 11 a.m., every single day in summer, like clockwork, we get this really, really nice sea breeze, which sort of starts at about 10, 12 knots and builds all the way up to 18 knots. And yeah, it blows very nicely. So, we call it the Fremantle Doctor because it really cools you down. But as some of my friends would say, it just it ruins a day at the beach because the sand starts whipping up, and <laughs> that's when you know it's time to head home because it's about yeah midday. Because it's much. a natural
0: exfoliator as well.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and they, they're not so keen on sunbathing with the sand on top
0: of them. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a moment like that on the beach the other day, and it literally stings. Your,
1: oh yeah, it your skin you. doesn't it? So like you're yeah. Yeah, you're racing off the beach, but you have got the sand whipping at you, and then you take half the Half the sandpit home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, how do you when you're going to one of those world championships or you know a, a big com- competition for you? How how do you feel before you get out on the water?
1: Yeah, well, I think as I become has become more experienced, it's a little it becomes a little bit more different. Now I've some most of the time well, I aim to feel quite content with all the preparation I've done, so it's more of like an excited nerves. To just sort of go out there and prove what I can do to everyone out with, like yeah, for myself. Um, but yeah, always a little bit nervous. You're always sort of packing your bags before you go, not knowing what to expect. But at the same time, you've done so much training and so much work towards this task, and yeah, it's really cool that you can sort of go out there, ready to race other people who are in the exact same position, and um, yeah, expect really competitive, fierce racing.
0: yeah Yeah. and you've therefore traveled at a fairly young age presumably Mm. on your own or how have you how have you been supported in that
1: yeah well obviously my parents wow they would call themselves my primary sponsor yeah they supported me so much through the youth sort of sailing because being from WA we are so excluded like isolated sorry from Mm. the rest of the world so um sort of started travelling maybe at about 15 alone just to go to Melbourne and Sydney and, like, um, yeah, the eastern states, and then went alone internationally from about 17, mainly only one trip a year. And then, yeah, by 18, 19, we were going for, like, one, two months alone. Um, but that being said, when I say alone, we do ha- I do have another other girls that are competing for Australia alongside me. So I go with my little squad mates and we sort of just run amok around the place, losing phones and whatever else, (laughs) but we make our way around and, yeah, it all works out.
0: Yeah. And obviously your parents have been incredibly supportive to you. Um, You say it was your brother that got you into the sailing, but were were your parents into sailing before as well?
1: No, so completely no knowledge of sailing. They got my brother into sailing because he wasn't didn't really have the hand-eye coordination for many other sports, so they were looking for something that he would love and he does still love to this day. Um, and then, yeah, we just – they don't really know much, so we kind of just get the advice from people from our clubs and always sort of worked up to, yeah, going to a Nationals, going to a States, and, like, it was all – has all been quite exciting for the whole family to – follow and now I'm obviously taking it to the next step where they're just I think a little bit in shock to be honest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's incredible. And and um obviously you do a, a heap of training to get to the level that you're mm-hmm.
1: at. How often
0: do you train?
1: Yeah, well so I'm training in the gym definitely every day, once or twice a day. And um yeah, as well as doing sort of road cycling, because that complements laser sailing really, really well. Interesting. And we get out in the water probably about five times a week. We try to aim for at least 15 hours of solid sailing and then another five to 12 hours of um, cross training in the gym or on the bike or swimming, whatever it kind of looks like.
0: Wow. So that training that you're doing in the gym and so on, that's obviously building specific muscle groups and stamina. Is that-
1: yeah, well, I'm actually quite small for the class, so I'm constantly trying to gain weight, gain muscle. Um, so, yeah, just sort of trying to gain mass. And then we have to do a lot of, um, yeah, fitness on the bike to try and increase um, aerobic performance because laser racing is about one hour. So that's actually quite a long time to be exerting yourself. Um, so it's a mix of getting the muscle mass up and then getting the aerobic conditioning to actually continue competing.
0: And that muscle mass yeah. is presumably to, to weight the boat.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much, exactly. Mm. Yeah. The heavier you are, the faster you go and the stronger winds. but like the great sport sailing is, sometimes it's light winds too, so you have to um, also be nice and agile and lean to keep yourself under the boom, basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <gasps> Talking about under the boom,
1: mm-hmm. any...
0: Times you've been hit by that boom and and had some amazing recoveries (laughs) or or accidents or
1: I haven't had crazy accidents. I have a few wipeouts from time to time, which is more just like fun footage. Yeah, but no, I've never really been taken out by the boom. Yeah, Um, so I think I'm one of the lucky ones because it's probably quite rare. Yeah, no, I don't think so.
0: Explain a wipeout to our listeners. What does that mean?
1: (laughs) Well, it can come in many forms. Most commonly it's something that we call the death roll. So if you're heading downwind and um, yeah, you get the balance incorrect of the boat, you kind of just completely wipe out and the boom will like basically fly over, mast hits the water and it's just a huge crash. And mostly, Most of the time you go flying. The faster you're going, the better the footage. So some of the bigger boats or like 49er girls have some cooler crashes, but yeah, yeah. wipe out.
0: <laughs> so um what do you think sailing gives you as a person? De- how how do you think it's developed you as a person?
1: Oh, for sure it's ma- matured me um much more but also keeping me really fun and like um adaptive because we're going to all these new cult- places, new cultures and you just kind of have to fit in as fast as possible. And Um, it's given me so many friendships as well as that so yeah we go all around the world and you meet new people all the time and it's really cool to go to places that they live and then also it always comes around so then hopefully they all come back to Australia and we get to show them around so yeah the most valuable thing has been the friendships that I'm taking away from it all around the world and then
0: the immersion in those different cultures I guess
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy all the places that we get to go and we're so, so lucky to see what we get to see, eat all the food we get to eat and, um, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, so f- good food approaching in 2024 in Paris, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I <laughs> had a, a few hit or miss experience this summer. We've done a lot of training in Marseille. Yeah. And my friends were telling me need to try these snails, which weren't so bad, but <laughs> I had this one... I'm not even sure the french word for it but it was essentially a sausage which was just filled with intestines and everything so when you cut it open they just all sort of exploded out onto the plate so that dinner was more so the fritz which are the chips rather yes. than the um lovely sausage i was not so sure about yeah. so
0: some yeah some cultural experiences on the food front too
1: oh yes but no they they definitely have very very incredible food in France. So I'm keen to keep trying more and further.
0: yeah yeah so what's your your is your ultimate goal the Olympics
1: yeah so currently it is to be an Olympic gold medalist yeah. as well as just get to be the best that I can be at this craft and hopefully dominate for a period ex- extended period because that's um also something that I really think is quite cool
0: yeah and do you do any mental training for that do you do you have any coaching to
1: yes yeah, so I work a lot with a psychologist um in the Australian sailing team and we have more recently um been working with Nam Baldwin who's based in the east coast and he does a lot of breath work and understanding how you perform under pressure so he's done a lot of work with um surfers and Matt Wern who's the gold medalist in the laser class so trying to do more work with him to understand myself when yeah times of pressure hit and yeah trying to perform to the best of my ability no matter how i'm feeling
0: that's um, great and they yeah. give you exercises to or strategies to to do that
1: yeah well, so nam does a lot of like pretty creative exercises as well as a lot of um underwater yeah breathing work and um Yeah, he's just very creative in that space and he's had a lot of success with football teams and surfers and, yeah, so there's a lot of merit to the stuff that they're all doing.
0: Yeah. So you're studying as well at the moment?
1: Yeah, so I'm enrolled at university. It's a very slow degree (laughs) that's happening but slowly chipping it away at an economics degree. Um, Yeah, it's very good to have the balance but sometimes it gets a little bit much so... I do prioritise the sailing and performing when I'm away with sailing. So, um, yeah, chipping away.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the beauty of the new world with uni, isn't it? So much of it is online.
1: Yeah, well, COVID did really help to um, open the eyes of universities. So I think that going forward for the people to come in the athletic world, it's going to be a huge game changer for everyone to doing the two-timing degrees and competing yeah. for sure
0: yeah and why economics
1: oh I've always liked numbers mm. and um yeah I just I think it's quite relevant because as I'm traveling all around the world you sort of yeah understanding the markets and what's happening is something I'm quite interested in mm. and um yeah the stock market's always exciting something to talk about with the other sailors we all lots of us um have invested in random little things and the boys squad have had a few jokes with like cryptocurrency in the past so they have um they their training sessions like every friday for example they do like a mini regatta between themselves and then the person that would win would get like 50 dollars, which as a squad they would then invest into crypto so they've got all this invested interest in the crypto markets and Yeah, it's always been something that we all talk about in Australian sailing. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) just I mean, it's a small amount of money to be playing with, but still you've got to do the research to understand what we're actually doing rather than just, yeah, blowing it away. Yeah. So
0: sailing has obviously been a big part of your life. Um, Do you think... um, it has made you a different person to the other people that you went to school with or how has it impacted on your life overall?
1: Well, it definitely takes me away a lot more, but um, I've always been quite a cruisy person, so I'm not entirely sure if it's had more of an impact to make me more cruisy. But, um, yeah, I would say that I think it, Like seeing my lifestyle to my friends who are doing, some are doing a very traditional pathway, some have done, um, yeah, slightly less traditional things. It's sort of shown them that you can just sort of work towards something completely different. We all sort of got straight out of school and then went to university all together and tried to keep that, yeah, like um, sort of pathway that you sort of get told when you're at school Mm -hmm. to go for. But now we're all doing completely different things. So we've got like a lot of respect for each other. In that, yeah, I'm going around the world sailing, and I come home, and the training's still quite serious, no matter what. But if I have time off, then they all respect that. That's the time that I get to sort of have way more fun with them. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I think I'm just. It's made me quite cruisy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: And how do you see so, your life progressing? Obviously, your sailing is your a big focus for you right now but do you see anything beyond that have you got goals set in the future that you're aiming towards
1: yeah well obviously sailing in the scheme of life is actually quite short term or well, the current Olympic dream but I'm definitely obviously aiming for 2024 and then I would like to continue for 2028 and then there might be the temptation of um 2032 games are going to be in Brisbane in Australia so home olympics is obviously something that's really really cool so i'm not sure my involvement that but beyond it um yeah i'll be for sure using my degree i would like to maybe um go to sydney or london and work in some sort of finance um and then yeah if that career is quite short too i could sort of seeing that being like 10-15 years of just seeing what that's all about and then um think I'll end up in Perth and like probably raise family. Yeah. I have no doubt that I'll end up in a career that is what you work for what you get. So I think I'm gonna be yeah.
0: Very cool. Talking of Perth, how was COVID for you?
1: Well, we were very isolated in Perth. (laughs) Um we were really lucky in some regards because we live in such a beautiful place, but it also was the one of the our lockdowns weren't so bad in comparison to somewhere like Melbourne, but we couldn't leave, um, so it isolated a lot of people from their families all around the world, and which was quite hard to see other people that you know. But um, we also were very um, far away from the devastation that COVID did cause, and like I know a lot of people really heavily affected from that, so it was. A complete mix. Mm. I personally spent a lot of time over East preparing um, my training partner who was going to the Olympics in Tokyo and being a part of the team over there. So I think I did about five sets of quarant- two-week quarantines. Wow. Um, so, yeah, a lot of quarantines. Yeah. Um, but I, I, was, I loved getting to see other parts of Australia. I had never been up north. Um, to places like Ningaloo and Exmouth and, yeah, even further inland and um, had never done much up the coast. But I think we started sailing. We basically, over east, were avoiding lockdowns and border closures. So we did. started the year in Melbourne, then we were in Sydney and then we slowly made our way up through, like, Coffs Harbour, then we were training in Maloolabaugh, then we went further north, um to Yapoon in Queensland, which was interesting. And then we went even further north to um, Cairns to try and um, get the team acclimatised to the Tokyo temperatures that we thought they were going to get, which they did get. So, yeah, we did a full trip up the coast of Australia on the other side, which was really, really cool.
0: So that's another thing that it, that's happened for you. You've got to see so much of Australia that lots of Australians don't get to see.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that was really, really cool. and. I don't know if I'll ever do with that sort of thing again. But, yeah, we basically road tripped with boats and our training partners and our coaches and, yeah, did everything we could to best prepare the guys heading to the Olympics. That's great. Within Australia.
0: Yeah. So where's your favourite sailing spot in Australia?
1: Oh, I have to say Fremantle.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
1: yeah, I really like Fremantle. But I did also really like Mooloola Bar in Queensland because – On the way in, there's like this little point break. So on lasers in particular, they're kind of just like a big surfboard. So you could just hop onto the waves and just keep rotating in the surf on your lasers um, on the way in and out, which was really fun. Um, So, yeah, not only could you go sailing, but you could grab your surfboard and paddle out from like 20 minutes after you got in. So that had really cool balance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what do you love about... Sailing a laser in particular.
1: Well, I love I love the way that it is just a big surfboard. So the way going downwind, it's just basically you're surfing waves and you're very free with the ocean doing that. And um, yeah, so you can sort of invent your own technique doing that. So everyone does it slightly different. It's not so like in in a one box. You're just able to surf the waves and glide through the water. I love that about laser sailing. And I love, I quite, well, I don't love sailing by myself because I am quite a social person, mm. but I do love that what I put in is what I get out and it comes back to me. Um, I like that about it a lot, mm. uh, for sure. Mm. But I do need to have some friends around to chat to. Yeah. In between the hard work.
0: Yeah. That's a beautiful thing about sailing. You do make some great friendships, don't you?
1: Yeah, well, it's unlike any other that I've ever done for sure yeah Um, yeah some long hours out on the sea
0: yes
1: (laughs) and um if you if
0: you're if if there's a young woman listening to this podcast and she's thinking about getting into sailing what would you suggest that she do
1: oh I, I would say find a class of boat that you really really enjoy sailing on because that's the most important thing is having fun and I would say um to sail as much as you possibly can doesn't always have to be with coaches and informal training sessions but just go out because you love it and you want to be out on the ocean and I think that's the way you progress so much more than other people and um yeah continue to come back every single session is because it's the love that you have for the sport um yeah I think that's the best part
0: and talking of the ocean what's your relationship with the ocean is it you adore it or is a little bit afraid of it every now and then? Oh, for or?
1: sure I'm afraid of it. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, the more you think about it, the crazier it is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's some patches of the ocean that are seriously crazy, like the Southern Ocean. I can't even imagine to what it must feel like to sail out there and be the only boat out there, and only a few people really have had that feeling. But um, I love the ocean closer to shore obviously being from Fremantle, there's a few sharks out there so in there is some beasts in the ocean that i'm a little afraid of but yeah i love surfing i love being at the beach and i also love sailing yeah close-ish to land yeah
0: yeah so with your campaign for the olympics do you have to gather um funding for that or how does how does that work
1: yeah well so we're quite well funded within the australian sailing team but that comes down to results so the better you perform the better your funding is and i'm also quite well supported by my yacht club royal freshwater bay which like without their support i probably couldn't do this right same campaigning and then yeah i also look for personal sponsorship just to try and um yeah make it a little bit easier financially so I, when i'm coming home i don't feel the pressure to have to work all the time to fund the campaign um yeah that way it makes it much more of a professional campaign and everything that i do is every day is towards making my results better and getting um to the olympic games mm-hmm. um but yeah and the west australian institute of sport is hugely helpful in providing coaching and um helping with logistics
0: that's great. So you're getting lots of support from different spaces.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I have learned over the past few years that you have to create the team that you respond best to around you. And yeah, I'm so, so lucky for the support that I do get by the team that I have around me.
0: And do you think, um, do you think it's, if you're aiming for that 2024 goal, Are there are there some other championships and things on the way through that you're aiming for as well?
1: Yeah, well, even to qualify from Australia, you have to be of quite a high standard. So you have to reach a baseline result. And in sailing, experience counts for a lot of that. So I'll be competing in quite a few events next year, and quite a few of them will count for selection for things. So there's a world sailing world championships in The Hague in the Netherlands which is the first opportunity to qualify your nation for a country spot. And I believe that's going to be top 12 nations will get a spot for the Olympics. So that's a peak event for next year. There's also going to be a test event in the Olympic waters in Marseille, which um, will be another opportunity to get a baseline to go to the Olympics. But that regatta really is all about understanding the venue and Get, trying to have a peak performance at the same time that the Olympic Games is going to be on in the following year, but to go to that you'll need to gain selection, and to gain selection that will be in par- the a regatta in Palma de Mallorca at the start of the year, and another regatta which is going to be the European Championships, which is going to be in Andorra in Italy at in the start of the year as well. So they're four basically compulsory events that I'm going to, and then I'll continue to fill in the rest of the year with other events that I think that competitive sailors will be going to or conditions that might be relevant for the peak events in the Hague. So the Hague is a pretty iconic sailing venue and we know to expect incredibly strong currents yeah. and really, really big swell. So we'll be looking to go to places that, yeah, we might get a nice big surfer in or be battling in some currents. I know Belgium has crazy currents and, it's all on the same coastline, so yeah, it's kind of quite fun to tr- strategically like choose venues to go to that are going to end up improving your performance for a peak event. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty cool the way that works. Yeah, yeah.
0: You would have had some disappointments in your sailing time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, how have you got through those? How have you addressed those to to drive yourself to keep going? got yourself back yeah. up again as well as it at were. the end of
1: the day in sport and in life most of the time you lose more than you win so it's actually about taking the lessons from the times that you lose so yeah more recently at the worlds in texas i sort of underperformed where i thought i was at and how hard i had been working and i came 18th and um I think that Regatta has ended up being really really crucial for how much I learned because I ended up um like really reviewing it and evaluating it so much more than other events this year. So from that perspective um I think yeah, it's about being really open to the lessons that you can learn from when it feels really really bad and yeah, talking to people in your support team. So they've um been really crucial in helping me to flip it around. So I yeah, had probably the worst event of my year in terms of my expectation. Like on paper, 18th isn't too bad. But the way it felt doing it, I didn't feel like I sailed to my potential or had any like really good moments. And then it turned around and just last week have had my best regatta ever at the European Championships. So to do that, I think like upon reflecting on the flat home. It was because of how open I was to how bad it felt to do not so good. And then obviously other times, like I missed the Olympic selection for Tokyo, um, which was a tricky one because I was competing against um, Mara Stransky, who's also a very similar age to me, and we were both so young. And our selection in it, neither of us actually got a baseline to actually go, so it came down to discretion. And Mara had beaten me overall in the three selection regattas. So I'd beaten her in one, she beat me in the next one, and then she ended up beating me by a few places in Melbourne. And, like, that was obviously really, really hard, but I ended up, like, ended up gaining so much because it gave our campaign and our um, team, the like radial Ilka Six Squad, more support from the federation, which is in turn, helped us both to rise our level. So by her, like, by feeling the disappointment of not making it, it actually has helped my career so much because we've ended up pushing each other now and we'll continue to push each other for the next spot to Paris, I have no doubt. So, um, yeah, it's it's about, like, how you approach the times after the really bad times. Yeah. I think. And then. Yeah. It's, it's always about how
0: we respond to a disappointment, isn't it, as opposed to, yeah. So you spoke about the European Championships. Where did you come there?
1: Yeah, so I finished eighth. So yeah. um, top eight, ended up qualifying for the Australian sailing team for this next um, 12 months. So that was a really positive result and, yeah, to have been beaten high when in the Worlds by 10 places. In a, um such a short time frame was really, really good.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
1: So next event for you is? Well, we have to go to the Nationals mm-hmm. and Sail Melbourne, which is a bit of a um, little domestic tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the Nationals hasn't happened since before COVID, so it's really, really cool that we get to get all of the younger kids together and everyone from every state together over in Sydney this year. Um. It, yeah, it's just so important for the grassroots of the sport. So yeah. the whole Australian sailing team is really looking forward to getting there and getting amongst it. It's um. Yeah, it hasn't been for quite a while.
0: That's great to catch up with the people you haven't seen for years, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned younger kids there. I know you do some coaching and supporting and mentor, mentoring younger kids. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. Well, I love doing that because it actually injects like the young feeling back into me sort of thing. I love seeing them like figure out new things in their boat and yeah, supporting them. And I guess, um, I really want to see the young kids mostly from WA, but obviously (laughs) everywhere, um, have success, like the hard work paying off is like the coolest feeling. And I love seeing other kids have that same feeling. Um, yeah. And I think that I've always been someone that's looked up to, to role models a lot, and um, to try and help some of the younger kids on the same pathway as what I'm following is something that's quite important to me. So, yeah, I'm really keen to get um, to be home firstly for this next month before nationals and help out our locals, and then yeah, see how it all works out at nationals in four weeks' time.
0: Because, like you say, it is a good feeling when you when you support and help especially younger kids it it yeah. really feels good doesn't it to the soul
1: yeah well, it feels so so much better than i would have ever thought because yeah it's yeah it's not so much about like if i see them win a race like i'm not don't really care like obviously it's great for them but it's more so like seeing them break like their speed records in the boat and seeing the smiles on their faces or like they've been working so hard towards doing a specific skill and then they finally nail it like that's also really cool As well as also when someone's really interested in their own performance and trying to get better, I love to try and work it out with them, like how they can do things a little bit more differently or show them things of like footage that we have from all our travels of other people doing things really well. Um, Yeah, that's also really cool.
0: That's great. Well, Zoe, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really lovely talking to you. If somebody wants to follow you or support you or sponsor you or anything like that, how do they find you online?
1: Yeah, I'm on Instagram for sure, so at Zoe Thompson. And I do also have a um, a blog online, so that's at Zoe Thompson Sailing, which hasn't really been updated in a short period, but, yeah, it's, it's up there.
0: So follow you on Instagram and yeah, message Instagram's you there. My
1: main, my main okay. And sure. it's
0: Zoe Z-O-E-T-H-O-M-S-O-N.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's
0: it. Yeah. So Zoe, thank you so much. It's been lovely having you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Um, really appreciate your enthusiasm and your drive and really hope you do incredibly well at the Olympics and and <laughs> I can't wait to see you up on the up on the podium there.
1: Yeah. That's the aim, for <laughs> sure. That'll be <laughs> Thanks, and we'll see you
0: <laughs> on the water okay. soon. So that's a wrap for 2022, folks. It has been wonderful to share all these amazing stories with you this year from some incredible interviewees who really opened up to us and shared their experience and their knowledge and their trials and tribulations and their doubts and their happiness. And that is a joy for all of us to listen to, and um, and and gain knowledge from. It's been absolutely amazing the people I've met doing this podcast, and of course seeing some of my lovely friends and contacts I know and love well. Um, twenty twenty three is going to be massive. Um I am lucky enough to be travelling the world quite a bit next year um, with some amazing opportunities to interview some incredible people in Dubai, in Europe, in the UK, and of course, in Australia, and there may even be a few in America too. so, going to be wonderful to to meet and spend some time with all of those incredible people in our industry and also in boating. I hope that you will review my podcast. Um, Let me share with you why. Reviewing the podcast allows us to spread the word a lot further. If you review us on uh, Spotify or Audible or Apple Podcasts, those um, platforms then take a lot more notice of this podcast and they therefore project it further to a larger audience. I don't want you to do that just for me. Um, What I want you to do that for is people like... Alicia King from Tidal Yachting, people like Jess Gatt from Marine Protection Systems. They're women that have their own businesses in this boating industry and sharing a podcast like this and their story out to the world can help their businesses quite dramatically. So it's not just for me, it's for them. It's for the the, the sailors that need more sponsorship that we've spoken to. It's for the friends that you may have that have just got into boating and really don't understand why one marina is better than another. So, you know, listen to my episode about Things to look for when choosing a marina. It's for people who are potentially looking at uh, owning a boat but don't know whether to buy a boat or share a boat or club a boat or how they should go about getting into boating. So please um, do me a favor, review the podcast on any one of those platforms. I don't mind which just one of them be great <laughs> all three would be even better but you know <laughs> so um, I would really really appreciate to get this podcast out to so many more people um, that need to hear it That need to hear the stories that need more experience in boating that need to understand what the boating industry is and whether it's a space that they should get into that is what we are all about so yes, I shall be travelling a lot next year. Um, I shall be with my husband, who's. Presidential role in Icomia is going to take up a fair amount of our time next year. Um, as long of, of of course as our amazing businesses, our two marinas, um, it's so many exciting things happening with those as well. We've got lots of boating to be done, um, lots of um, boating experiences to be had, like Sail GP and Dubai Boat Show, and I'm hoping to get boat show as well. So if you are wanting me to look at your boats at boat shows or perhaps review your boats outside boat shows or um, be interviewed on this podcast, please contact me on my email, which is info at theboatprincess.com. We will of course be very busy with our marinas next year as well and I shall be hosting some events keep an eye on my Instagram at the boat princess for those and of course the best way to make sure you don't miss out on things like that is to sign up for my newsletter on my website which is the boat princess Dot com. I have really enjoyed being here this year. 2023 is going to be massive. I really hope you join me on the ride. It's amazing how many are already listening to this podcast. I'm super thrilled with how um, amazingly successful it really is and it's a real thrill when I get DMs in the back of Instagram telling me how much they're enjoying it or I see people at events and they and they tell me that's uh, just such a thrill So I look forward to seeing you in 2023. I'll be taking a break over Christmas to be truly present with the presents with my family. I wish you all an amazing break. I hope you all get a little break at least. And I will see you on the water in 2023.